0: Right now, you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
1: Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole, now live, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the Para-X Radio Network. Welcome, this is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole, and you're listening to, here to Andrea Vitimus here with my co-host Jason Caldwell, and I want tonight we have a, another uh, special guest, and we always have special guests that I, that I really enjoy, and today we have Deborah Lip coming on the show, who I just learned something interesting about, but she can say what that was. Because I have such a gossip-free realm that it affects the universe that around me in such a way that information doesn't uh, come my way. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, Deborah Lipp is, in my opinion, a pretty famous author. Uh, has written various books on witchcraft, uh, The Elements of Ritual, and uh, The Way of four, including the ultimate James Bond fan book which i'm going to ask her about um she's actually a gardenerian witch which is kind of a rarity nowadays um she's written in multiple multiple publications including the long magical almanac green egg uh, she's been out in the community a lot of times uh, given that many people on the show have heard that i have a strong interest in uh, hermetics and the elemental um, the, how the elements apply to the life. I was quite thrilled to uh, read and take a look at uh, the way of four. And with that, welcome to the show, Deborah.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, we, we we love it. We get to talk about things we enjoy, which is magic and various other topics of occult craziness. That's then you were in the right place. Yes, you're in the right place.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah, definitely are. So one of the things is that I was reading the the Way of Four, and I, I, I kind of realized that um, the, the last uh, more Wiccan-like show we had got a little controversial because we had our friend Lord Shadow on, and he went all over the place. But we never really actually covered on our show what the base elements uh, that are shared, actually, in a lot of ceremonial magic and in Wicca, actually what the elements are and what properties they have, and maybe you could illuminate us.
2: Well, we can definitely talk about that. Um, It is in common with hermetics, with uh, a lot of um, ceremonial goetic magic, and with Wicca, and and with a lot of um, Western paganism and occult, is air, fire, water, and earth. And, um, And I really feel like it's, the building blocks of an occult education. It's like how you start understanding the universe through an occult lens is by looking at air, fire, water, and earth, right? Because you can't do astrology without it. You can't do tarot without it. You can't you can't do any of the basic Western occult uh, arts without understanding the elements. And I kind of feel like people don't study them enough. Um, and and um, I do want to add, right, that if you're you're working a different system, then the elements will be different. I have had people say, well, how does this apply to Chinese medicine? Well, it doesn't. It's it's Western occultism, and it applies to Western magic.
1: Although I know somebody who's trying to make the correspondences there and spending hours and hours and hours banging their head against the wall between Chinese texts and Western texts. (laughs)
2: If they can make it work, um, then they will, they will have a phenomenal book on their hands because, because they will be the first.
0: <laughs> uh, well, well, the, so would, the, that, would that be our fine Canadian friend? That would be, yeah, the, the student,
1: our fine Canadian student from the Quantum Life Science Institute who's working on that. But he's actually Chinese, so he's got an advantage over the Western people because he actually can read the original Chinese texts.
2: Well, that helps, but but it it won't necessarily help with the other side of it, with making it correspond with with Western magic. Well, you know what? If somebody does it, I will buy that book.
1: All right, see? We already got him one sale, and he hasn't even finished the book.
2: Right, there you go. So so basic properties of the elements, um, starting with air, um, which corresponds with the east, with the dawn, with the spring, with the beginnings of things. It also corresponds with the intellect and with thought. Um, Also, with all of the words and symbols associated with breathing. So, um, inspiration is a wonderful word. It means to have a new idea. It also means to take breath into the body. One of the things that I talk about in The Way of Four is the way that our language actually is Connecting up with the elements because um, occultism is so much a part of Western culture, even for people who know nothing about it. So, when you say, Oh, that's a breath of fresh air, you're actually talking about the occult property of air, and you're also simply talking about breathing. And you can also take it back to astrology, which begins in the East in the spring. Um, with the first, with, with air, with the dawn, the day begins, spring begins, because the astrological year begins at spring. So all of these things connect. And um, you can symbolize that in... Uh, nature, through the sky, through high mountains, through birds, especially through high-flying birds because, as I like to point out, a duck is a bird, but it isn't a great symbol for air.
1: It doesn't spend a... most of its life in water. Good.
2: Exactly. And it does fly. I mean, we're not talking about a chicken, but but it's, it's not... You want an eagle or something that really takes flight very, very high because... As a symbol, it's very clear. It isn't, it isn't mixing things up in your mind. When you're doing any magic, you're, you're working with the subconscious and the subconscious is simple. The subconscious has the sophistication of a toddler, so don't confuse it. Um, and then you go to fire in the south and it is, oh, and, and uh, I should say that um, air is to know. I usually do this with a with a with a list in front of me because otherwise I'm always going back and backfilling and going, that's Oh wait, all right. wait, wait, but, but I meant to say in the East
1: That's all right. We'll just keep asking questions and it'll
2: go. Keep asking questions. The funny so, thing is I was so, gonna
1: I was gonna say, like, you know, the famous quote about chickens. It's a matter of thrust from chicken run. <laughs> so
2: there you go. Um, I'll see you there Yeah, no. they so, so I mean, you could, you could, everything corresponds to the elements, right? So, um, if you were taking the animal kingdom, then clearly birds correspond to air. But you could also take birds. And then you could say um, that the eagle is the air bird, and the duck is the water bird, and the chicken is the earth bird, and I don't know what a fire bird is. Have you got one? Like the phoenix. There you go. Phoenix
1: would be... Uh a clear firebird. Although there's probably other right. birds that are like parrots or not parrots. Uh,
2: or cardinals.
1: Or cardinals or peacocks because they're already showing off.
2: Right. So so you can you can take the like I said if you take the animal kingdom then all birds are air but you can take birds and break them down, um, because everything corresponds to the elements. So let's go to the south and to fire and noon and heat and the will. So everything that is about being willful, to know and to will, everything that is about being willful is associated with fire. So fire is lust and fire is passion and fire is anger. Fire in its negative form can be obsession um, it is intensity. It's what, it, it's what gets life going.
0: Intense, strong, driven emotions.
2: Yeah. It's, it's what moves something from being a good idea to actually starting to happen. So um, you, at one point, had this idea that you were going to have a radio show. But that wasn't enough. There are thousands of people who had that idea who don't have a radio show. You had to actually apply will, and you had to get passionate about it. And you had to put energy into it, and you had to actually start that moving combustion.
0: Conceive and then actually take action.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, but then to go further, I then had to build foundational materials and other things on Earth to make to give me a body in which to put the radio show in.
2: Right. That's the that's, that's we're gonna get there. Because that ha- you have to make things manifest. When people are trying to create things in their lives, a lot of times it's really useful to look at the elemental cycle because we cycle through the elements and to see where you're stuck. Um, a lot of people get stuck in water, actually, because they stay in, in fire. A lot of people stay in air. They just have all these good ideas and they don't know why they, nothing happens because all they have is good ideas. They stay in air. And a lot of people get stuck in fire because they have a passion and a drive to have the thing happen. But the next thing that has to happen is water. And, and water flows in unexpected places. Water finds opportunities for you, you see. Because water finds that path that runs downhill. But that's the point where you have to let go That's the point where you have to let the process sort of take you over. That's why water is to dare because you have to have courage. Water is the part like in that psychological exercise where you close your eyes and you drop your body and you have to trust that your friends are going to catch you. Water is the trust part. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. They think that they can just keep applying their will and applying their will and have it be their way. Now, once you create something, it actually has to be its way. And unless you can dance with the things life throws at you in the process of making something happen, you can't make it happen. And then when you go through all of that, then you can have earth and you can start creating manifestation and building foundations and having results. And, and I have... One of the things that happens when I lecture about the elements is that I... Um, lecture in a lot of bookstores and occult stores and at a lot of events. So when you're talking to people who are store owners <laughs> or event organizers, this process is incredibly familiar to them. Oh, yeah, I had an idea. Oh, yeah, I had to apply well. Oh, yeah, it didn't go at all like I expected it to do. And I had to flow with that. And if I couldn't flow with that, I couldn't... um I couldn't have continued when and like with, say, the puppy. And, uh, that's, that's, um, uh, <laughs> and then there's the manifestation. There's the reality. And then you have to face the reality. And as soon as you have the reality, you better have the next idea and keep it flowing in a circle. Well, one of the things that uh,
1: uh, I, I always at least tell the people – Listen to me as a sort of guru-type teacher, you know, is that you can willfully create different things and do enchantments, but you never, never, never can control the how. Usually you cannot control the how.
2: (laughs) And that's sort of where you're
1: going with the water element.
2: Um, Absolutely, and you have to be willing to take surprises. I did a spell recently, and... Part of the spell um, was making the statement, I recognize that I don't know how to do this, how this is going to turn out, that, this, that I am I, not attached to the form. And um, boy, I thought that I was prepared for a wide range of possibilities. <laughs> but it surprised me anyway.
0: See the funny thing is, the most talented, gifted magicians will tell you not to try to control the how, because if you try to control the how, you're limiting the possibility of manifestation.
2: Yeah, it's it's like uh, raising a toddler. Choose your battles. Did you ever hear that one? Yeah, that's a a
1: good analogy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, choose your battles. There are some things where you are you want to limit the manifestation. You don't actually want to say to the universe, "Send me anything." That's not a spell. Well, that's, no, I mean, you have, you have you a specific—you
0: w- have a specific request, but you're not trying to dictate what route that that request will be fulfilled through.
2: Right, and and you you are going to be as specific as possible with your request, um, but you're always going to somehow be surprised. I talk a lot, especially in um, the Way of Force spell book, about the monkey's paw and about creating a spell that isn't actually going to bite you in the ass. I'm allowed to say ass, right? Yes, it's not, words, well, well, it's not one tell, of the seven okay. words.
0: It's not one of the seven words. What is your technique with the monkey paw and making sure that you don't get magical backlash?
2: Um, Well, First of all, plan carefully and brainstorm with others. That's just really important. Write it down, look at it, turn it around, figure out exactly what it is. Use your divination system to see what you're missing. Um, I know a lot of people who will say, and it harm none, sort of as a tag on the end of a spell. What I like better is to say, for the good of all. Why is that better? Well, because your subconscious mind responds to words that you say. Remember, you have the subconscious of a toddler. So when you say, and it harm none, what you're doing is you're triggering your subconscious to go harm. Wait, this could harm. And, And now you've imprinted that thought. But when you say, for the good of all, you're actually boosting your spell. You're saying, wow. This could be for good for everybody. Yay. So your subconscious stays in a in a positive and focused place.
0: I like um, that, Deborah. It's a great way of, of eliminating a negative word out of the wording.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't make it up. I, I heard I've heard both versions and I realized that I liked for the good of all better, and I just decided to steal it because I'm a witch. We steal things. Ideas,
0: we steal ideas. Good
2: save, good save. Okay, you know, I I think
1: think we're all in good company here. I mean, between me and Jason, I think we've been called, what, warlock, sorcerer, black magician, white magician. I, I think we've gotten every name thrown at us at different times, so
0: no worries. We'll see. I like how she clarified the we steal things part because it reminds me of when I was a teenager with lone hair walking through the mall and they're looking at me like he's lone hair. He steals things. I know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just ideas. I steal ideas. Um, <laughs> but I'm also incredibly strict with people. I'm not. Nobody gets to just say, harm none, for the good of all, la, 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 and, and get off the hook. It, it, it's not enough. You know? You still have to... Really look at what you're doing i was I was taught um this was a this was a story that my high priestess taught me that she knew another high priestess who decided that she was she was studying shamanism and she was studying Native American ways and she decided it would be really cool to have a lover who was an Indian so she did a spell to have a lover who was an Indian and the next thing she knew she was living in Bombay with her lover who was an Indian because she <laughs> And this is a true story. So, so yeah, look at what you're saying, be specific and also be prepared to make mistakes. It happens.
1: I've learned far more from my mistakes than my, my successes. I think, I think, I think that's one of the things people think, Oh, things will blow up and that, you know, things will change, but you know, life has changed so, I totally agree with you. You know, learn from your mistakes. Because probably learn a lot more that you can learn from the mistakes than from the successes.
2: And don't be afraid to make mistakes. Go ahead and do the spell and go ahead and screw it up.
1: Well, officially, we we're encouraging you because you'll probably succeed. However, if you screw it up, it's okay.
2: I'm saying that, you know, every everybody's heard one or two pieces of advice in their life that stick with them. Oh
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and my father used to say, if you always win when you're playing poker, you, you're not betting enough. And, and, and that is, is one of my real um, favorite pieces of advice. Better not like so that. that you lose it's, sometimes. I yeah, I like
0: that because what a lot of people deal with, if they do something, it doesn't go according to plan. They want to put the wand down. They get scared or they get hurt, and they don't want to continue. They don't want to learn how to tweak and experiment.
2: And, and that's, that's important. not for witchcraft. Yeah, that's not witchcraft. That's accountancy. Witchcraft is an art, and a science, and an adventure. Be creative. Um, be excited, be passionate, be playful, and let it go wrong. Live a life with risk.
0: So, Deborah, I was curious, just because I know that a lot of Wiccans and a lot of Western ceremonial magicians break it down to a, a five-element paradigm, including spirit. What motivated you to narrow it down to the four?
2: Um, my... And I go over this in a lot of detail in the book, but the short version is that my exploration and my study has led me to believe that what spirit fundamentally is is the place where four elements meet. Spirit is not um, a fifth element separate and apart. Like water is not air. Fire is not earth. They're, they're separate, and they're apart. There's four of them. But I, I believe that um, spirit is the meeting place. It's the, it's the squared circle.
0: I like that answer. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome.
2: It was kind and, of interesting. In, oh, go ahead. Oh, in my tradition in Wicca, we place the altar in the center of the circle. So I, I feel like that's part of it. Like the altar represents the uh, the spirit, because it's the exact meeting place of the four quarters.
1: It was kind of interesting because, actually, in, in the way of four, um, you actually talk about how Aristotle really kind of uh, was thinking that the. F- I'm paraphrasing, and you can correct me because I'm, I'm probably wrong, but he, it was almost that Aristotle would have thought that spirit arises. From before, that it was not a separate, entirely separate thing, um, like many modern um, occultists kind of interpreted as. Yes, and
2: there's there's a there's a there's a long, I know I'll stutter on the radio. That'll be good. There's a long trajectory in which Western elements get taken to India and then taken back from India, and And when it comes back through, um, in the 19th century, that's when you start having a fifth element in Western occultism. So basically, Aristotle's fifth element, which was the quintessence, which was called ether, um, which arises from the four, then goes to India in the great... Uh, migration of Greek scholars um, escaping um, anti-pagan efforts. So there's a migration of Greek pagan scholars to India. And uh, the uh, Sanskrit word for ether is akasha. And then 19th century occultists then bring Hinduism back to the West like, through Madame Blavatsky, and you have Akasha being interpreted as a fifth and distinct element.
0: Well, I like that. I've never really heard it broken down that way before.
2: Um, maybe somebody else has done the scholarship f- before me, and I wasn't aware of it, but but I kind of came on it independently, like the stuff about the... Um, India was in, in one source, and the stuff about the Greeks was in another source. And in, in the course of researching the book, it kind of hit me that, wait a minute, I think I know what happened here. So that was really exciting, actually, to find that out.
1: Right, because... Uh, that is exciting. Because one of the things that you actually legitimately point out is, is the difference between like the more right-hand and left-hand path Paths drawing a pentagram in opposite ways, and how can you be an earth religion and put spirit below or above <laughs> the other elements? Was kind of an interesting point in in, in the way of four as well.
2: It also really helps in your understanding of of working with elemental beings, like a sulfur and undine. They don't have spirit because. If you understand that spirit is a place where four elements meet, if you understand it that way, then it's very clear that a being that is only one element and is is purely containing that element cannot be expected to be a being of spirit. Well, that completely changes how you work with that being.
0: Hmm. So rather than saying that spirit permeates all things, it has to be a specific at the junction.
2: It's a juncture. Yes, exactly, because because it's like the it's it's um it's like the big bang. Everything comes together, boom, and life emerges. Not that fancy, but you know. Well, that, that's, very that's a very interesting science. way of
0: looking at it. Because I guess I'd have to redefine my uh, – I have to rethink my definition of spirit then because when I think of an independent being, even if it be an elemental, I, would, I myself would view that as a spirit because it has an intelligence and a form.
2: Okay, so but quite... uh, an, an undine does not have intelligence. An undine only is water. An intelligence is air. An Undine has emotional reality. Sentience okay. and spirit are not the same thing, right? Consciousness and spirit are not the same thing. If we're talking about the, the elemental quality of spirit, um, maybe you want to distinguish like spirit and soul. Maybe an Undine has soul,
0: but. Okay. Now how would you, how would you differentiate that? I'm curious.
2: No, I'm not sure that I'm going to be that good at that. That's, very philosophical, and I'm basically a very practical person. But if we're going to talk about sentience, if we're going to talk about um, uh, beingness, for lack of a better word, uh, okay. and an elemental would have that, they're beings. But if you try to appeal magically uh, through invocation or whatever to the intelligence of an undine, you're going to fail because intelligence is not a quality of water. If you would try to appeal to the uh, emotions of a gnome, you're going to fail because emotions are not a quality of earth. The imaginative leap for us, who are beings who have all four elements interacting within us at all times, Even the earthiest person you know has fire and air and water. Even the most annoyingly watery, emotional sob sister that you know has an earthy side. But a gnome only has an earthy side. It doesn't have those other things. So it's this huge imaginative leap for us as human beings to figure out who that elemental is. And I think that occultists leap into these relationship with elementals unprepared because they think they're talking to basically uh, an elemental shaped person.
1: And because uh, because they're so different, in uh, without that kind of like other the four balances, it's not at all like a person would be considered very mm-hmm. alien. Uh, very alien and very alien and what kinds of results you might expect from uh, or or kind of interaction you might expect from the various creatures
2: exactly and I'm not saying don't do it I'm saying um, it requires more than a beginner might think even an experienced person it's, it's it's really very very different This is why I recommend all of these exercises in the books in in terms of meditating in the element, becoming the element, imagining yourself an element um, before you go leaping off, uh, communing with occult entities like elementals. Because they'll kick your ass. See, I said it again. (laughs) (laughs) See, my best friend used to say... Is this another one of these pieces of advice that stays with me forever? She used to say, if I leave the fish out and the cat eats it, it's my fault, not the cat's. Because a cat can only eat fish. It's that's its nature. The cat is not going to look at the fish that I left out on the counter and say, <sighs> she was saving that for dinner. So understanding the nature of another and how they will behave. That's essential. Mm-hmm. So like the time that the, um, the salamanders got loose in my apartment and started setting fires everywhere.
0: <laughs> which was, oh, you've got to talk about that. Come on now.
2: Oh, it was awful. <laughs> but that's, what I'm saying is it's not the salamanders' fault. They weren't doing it because they were bad or they were trying to screw me up. They're salamanders. They light fires. It's what they do. You want to hear the story? This is just the most terrible. I was, I don't know, 23, 24, a a young witch, and my stupid roommate set fire to the apartment. Now, my roommate did not set fire to the apartment because there were salamanders in the apartment. My roommate set fire to the apartment because she let her daughter cook while she was passed out drunk. And her daughter was like 10, and the curtains were next to the stove, and she set the apartment on fire. And I came home from work one day and there was this big black hole where our kitchen used to be.
0: Oh, this is,
2: this is all a true story. And the New York fire department was there. And so there were, it was, it was awful. Um, and so naturally setting fire to an apartment attracts salamanders. And things just kept burning after that. So, like, I was meditating in the bath, which is something I like to do. And so I lit some incense in a little, you know, I used a little brazier sensor thingy with the charcoal. And it fell over, and there were hot coals all over the bathroom, which has honestly... Never happened before or since. So I've been practicing witchcraft for 30 years. and it was only at that time that hot coals were all over my bathroom. and, and I was a smoker at that time. Things would just happen, things were sitting on fire every t- and then the, ugh. anyway, so finally, one night I'm home alone, my roommate and her daughter are out. I am zoned out. I'm watching TV. And I suddenly realize that I have been ripping little bits of paper and setting them on fire in the ashtray. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. And I looked in the ashtray and there were like 15 little bits of burned paper. Hmm. And I, I looked and I said, oh... Oh, oh! <laughs> this is very bad. I know what's happening here. So, um, I called my high priestess and I said, "What do I do?" And we talked about it. And so I went around the whole apartment. And I went around to all the openings, concentrating on the kitchen, the gutted-out kitchen, and um, all around to all the the windows and the doors and openings. Uh, starting in the East and working my way around. And I did the most polite vanishing. Thank you for visiting. It's been great. Really, guys, it's awesome having salamanders in the house. Lovely seeing you. Bye. Time to go. Really just this nice, gentle, but you must leave. And I think I used salt water. I don't even remember. It was 25 years ago. And... And the salamanders left, and they took the hot water for four days. There you
0: go. So there the water you heater No broke hot water after for
2: four days.
0: Hmm? Wow, the water heater busted after the banishing.
2: Uh, but, well, we were, I, I was living in an apartment building in in Queens, New York, so um, I don't know if it was the water heater or what was going on because. Um, it wasn't like I was a homeowner, but uh, no hot water for four days after the banishing, immediately after the banishing. It was, well, at least I didn't have to wash soot off of myself with cold water, <sighs> but I did – it was four days worth of cold showers. It was nasty. Wow. But yes, that's my salamander story.
0: <laughs> well, that would definitely be have been our advice if someone told us, hey, my subconscious actions are being affected by spirits. Hmm, did you banish?
1: Yeah, I think we only had 10 shows on banishing. <laughs> At
2: least. It was worth it. Okay, but the cold water was worth it. Now,
0: I have to comment on your air elementals, because when I was looking through your book and I was reading up on sylphs, the first thing that came to mind, and I do apologize, when I read the description, I went, wow, these these sylphs sound like they are... Oh sociopaths. Like, that's <laughs> <when laughs> highly
1: intelligent. It, actually when I read it, I thought it actually would meet DSM four uh, criteria for <laughs> sociopathic behavior. So you weren't yeah, the only like, one so. highly Think intelligent
0: they have pr-
2: personality disorders?
0: Yeah. Well, okay. H- highly intelligent, but not necessarily truthful and basically no emotion or compassion.
2: And glib and able to talk you into things. Yes. Yes. So are if you look at them that way, if they were people, they'd be sociopaths. But but intelligence and verbal gift with without the other elements. You know, that's uh, it's intelligence and ver- verbal gifts and, and it's great delight. And again, they they don't none of the elemental beings are moral or immoral any more than your cat is.
0: So let me ask you this, under that, that same premise, with your experience working with these elementals, what do you think motivates a being like this? If, if they're not necessarily truthful, they seem to have an agenda and they can influence us, what is their agenda?
2: Um, well. the extent that I understand it, and I don't, I don't want to say that I'm an expert. There are better occultists than me. There are more experienced occultists than me. I'm, I'm a good writer. You know? I'm good at describing it. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that I'm the expert. Um, That's but, okay. but to the extent that I understand it, I would say each of each of the elemental beings, wishes to express its nature. A, a, a sylphus is, is is profoundly satisfied by being able to be intelligent, by having ideas, by communication, by being interested. Those things are satisfying to because that's air. Whereas. Um, and Undine is, is satisfied and, and pleased by, being, uh, by experiencing emotion, by flow, by sensuality, by mystery, because those things are water. All of us have agendas that have to do with expressing our inner nature. It's just that human beings have much more complex uh, inner natures than that because we, we have the mathematical possibilities of the, of the four elements interacting with us are, are virtually infinite.
0: Which is why you stress balance, taking all those aspects of your inner being and finding a harmonious balance.
2: Absolutely. And, and for me in Wicca, Wicca is always about balance. When I do the you know, the, the two-minute Wicca 101, I try to get that word balance in there at least twice. You know, if, if somebody who's never heard of it before says, oh, wake up, what's that? Well, it's a religion of balance with nature. I like to get that word balance right in there, right at the beginning, because I think it's super important. I also think that it's really important that we work on a path of self-acceptance. It, it isn't in the book as much as it should be, I think, because it has come up in classes, because I've been teaching the classes on the elements for for several years and of course students and the questions they ask teach me more than any amount of study could and one of the things that has come up is people trying to remove um, elements from within themselves so um, somebody with an anger problem trying to be less fiery and it's never a good idea to deny your inner nature and it's never a good idea to take away who you are from yourself Bringing up a balance means increasing the other three elements, not suppressing yourself.
0: I would agree with that analogy. No, no,
1: it's kind of funny because uh, when I ran weekend trainings, that's exactly what I showed people to do as opposed to uh, to try to minus things. It's that it's a level of complexity far greater than most people can deal with. And since adding yeah. things will just balance things out, why add the complexity?
2: Right, and, and, and why... And why go through this sort of self-injury it, is what it amounts to. Not to mention the fact that if you try to take, suppress fire, fire has this little tendency to combust. And and I do, in fact, in, in the way of Ford, throughout the way of Ford, talk about adding these elements and increasing the presence of, of weak elements in your life. Um, but a couple of people in classes started bringing up, well, why can't I just take it away instead? And... Oh,
1: no, 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 no. Well, which that brings up an interesting point uh, because there's a a large, large, large section Mm -hmm. of the the Way of the Four book that deals with how the elements relate to this self, how it relates to work and even relationships. And we haven't really talked about that yet, uh, that there are correspondences for personalities and relationships and even work environments.
2: Absolutely, and really, there's 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 correspondence for everything. Um, first of all, there's that cycle that I talked about before: the beginning and the and the the manifestation, and so going from the idea to the um, to the reality. And I really like to talk about that with relationships because that's really fun, and everybody really understands that. You see somebody from across a crowded room, and you go, ah! and and you're imagining them, and you think about them, and you don't really know them. You know, your romance is really all in your head at this point. It's, it's, a, it's a picture that you have of imagination of what that person would be like if only you were with them. You don't know anything. Well, so how many times air. have
0: people found themselves in relationships where their, their inner voice is screaming, Why can't you just be the way you were in my head?
2: Right. Or, yeah, they're 15 minutes into the relationship, and they're like, wow, what a letdown. <laughs> so,
1: this is the second time I get to say the quote, and I'll probably make it mess it up to you again. I'm born the person you never were. There you go.
0: That's a good yeah. one. Love that one.
1: Yep. From, from our fine days at industrial nightclubs. So there you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so then the next thing that happens, right, is... is um, there's usually a lot of sex. Well, if you're lucky, hopefully, hopefully, if you get past the air stage, the next thing that usually happens is the fire. You're passionate. You're, you're full of desire. You're full of, of passion. And you just, and you're full of wanting this. I want this person. I want this person. I want this person. Um, and, um, you, um, unless you have some reason not to you're having tons of sex and you know, come out of the bedroom for four or five days at a time and you just, you know, grab a sandwich and a, and a quarter of water and you go back to bed and you know, that's nice and everything. And eventually that has to cool down. And if the relationship doesn't end right there, which often it does because often the relationship is just an extended one night stand. Um, but then if it continues what will tend to happen at that point is that you're it's going to become romantic you're going to fall in love all of that intimacy all of that passion is going to open you up emotionally and you're going to fall in love and then when you fall in love of course you're in the water phase and um the entire world is love because that's water is all about my cup runneth over once you love somebody all of a sudden you love everybody that lovely feeling when you first when you first fall in love with somebody and all of a sudden you like all your friends better. You don't see them much. But you like them better because love. And and then finally uh, you, get to, the right, then you get to the earth
0: space. Biochemical delusion. All
2: right. Then you're so you're so bitter. You're a bitter, bitter man. I know. So then a- <laughs> we we have we have elemental cures for that though then you finally oh, get no, to no. be we just
1: bring him to when he comes over to my house every time we because we do tons of voodoo rituals every time we just invo- we just have our zuli show up and then our zuli like messes with him and tries to get him to be um, softer and
0: well and, and, so. and i do have to apologize for the, for the snarky interlude it's just the idea of you know i felt that what's being described at at scientific value is your brain's producing chemicals that make you feel a way that is, as I put it, delusional? It's it's a state of mind that will pass once the chemical subsides.
2: Well, that's a whole different conversation because all, your brains are uh, giving, pumping you full of chemicals all the time. You know, whether it's the it's the oxytocin that is associated with falling in love, or Uh, Whether it's the serotonin, which is associated with confidence, or um, any number of of chemicals all the time, mood-altering, the endorphins that just make you feel giddy, um, or the ATP that gives you energy to keep going in an emergency, that's your fight or flight. The body-mind connection is really, really complicated. That doesn't mean it's an illusion. That means things are working properly. But but here's the thing: after you get out of the water stage, you have to get to the earth stage. So what you're talking about is can that chemical reaction last past water into earth? Because really, with you don't yeah, know somebody yeah. until you've done laundry with them.
0: That's a good one. Yeah, that's
2: pretty good. You know, you've got to get, so so at the earth stage. First of all, there's commitment, but second of all, there's practicality. There's, there's actual living life that happens. Um, and so a, a, a fully manifest relationship is going to go through all four elements. So if you if the, the minute that the, the romantic intensity starts to fade, and it's six months, because you're right. Oxy, oxytocin, the, 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 uh, the falling in love chemical, has about a six-month shelf life. Um, so if, if after six months and you start to come down off of that mountain, if there's nothing there, um, then you're not going to manifest into an Earth stage. Now, what happens, though, is that some people, once they get to Earth, they just go all Earth and they give up their, their you know, we all know people who've been together for years and years and years and there's no romance and there's no sex and they don't really think about one another with high regard. They've just stayed in earth and they've forgotten all about air and fire and water. But
1: the other thing I've seen, uh, with, with the analogy is that
2: there are people who
1: jump right to like something like air and, and water without fire. And then they don't really have successful relationships either. Um, Yeah, they 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 skip over, like fire. They like the idea of a relationship, and they they like the idea of love, but they don't really put any passion behind it. Or, uh, and and
2: usually, or they don't don't want the romance. Yeah, they don't want the romance. A lot of people they're like, oh, I don't believe in love. I just want a comfortable relationship where where it's you know because after all, um, that's that's nice to have in life. And, and it's not long-term sustainable in, in a lot of ways. You have to be able to have some passion in it. Otherwise, um, uh, you can't have really good makeup sex after you fight. There's <laughs> that. I, <laughs> I, I think that's I, I real... that I've actually met
1: more than a few people that the whole sex part of it, they would love just to leave out of relationships, uh, more and more. And I, I mean, that kind of goes to, like, the lack of uh, in- elemental imbalance that, that you're kind of talking about, that it, the relationships never last,
2: you know. Yeah. Well, there's definitely the, psychological
0: issues that have to be worked through. It's the yeah. idea of, you know, in the emotional realm, people get burned. In the sexual realm, people get burned. And I guess that would tie in with the emotional realm in a lot of cases. It's, it's those imbalances that need to be met at, at multiple levels to create harmony
2: yeah the elemental thing is a tool that allows you to look at and examine and explore and understand um, any aspect of your life um, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a metaphor because a metaphor sounds like it's sort of fake and I just sort of made it up and I'm enough of an occultist to say, no, it's real. It's just a different level of reality. Um, but, but it's a tool. It's a lens. There's many lenses at which you can look at your life, and, and the psychological lens is a really, really valuable lens also. But if you're looking at your life through an elemental lens, you can say, you know, I'm, I'm only manifesting fire, and I'm not manifesting water. Um, some, there's some fear that I have about love and about safety, And I can explore that psychologically. I can go into therapy. I can do inner work with that. Or I can also explore that elementally. I can start doing meditations with water. I can start thinking about love while soaking in a bath and uh, with rose petals. Because rose is a a water um, scent. And so I can actually start trying to bring water into my reality at the same time that I'm doing that psychological work or as a method of doing that psychological work. These things aren't at odds with one another. It's part of balance, is to integrate these systems together. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and you actually give a meditation, uh, like, in The Way of Four, that actually talks about that, where it was a Way of Four Meditation. After you talk about getting in balance and doing actual things in life to uh, try to bring tangible balance into the life, like through action um, or thinking, or depending, it depends on what the elements are. Um, Let's see, let's see, I'm going all the way to the end of the book because I have it up. Uh, You know, and basically, in that elemental thing, balancing exercise, the way of meditation. Um, you are essentially like taking on each of the four elements, and and going through them one by one, uh, and then taking all four on at one time.
2: Yeah, and it's really yeah, it's really powerful. And you shouldn't do them too far apart because you're gonna kind of throw your life off. Like you're gonna you're gonna do the fire meditation, and you're going to start losing your temper with people. So you want to not stay in a purely fire state for two weeks. That would be overwhelming for most people.
1: Well, it's a great way to exercise self-control if you can manage it for two weeks.
2: Yeah, yeah. It can be rough. It can be rough. I do find that people... um, First of all, people are often surprised at how easy these things are to do. They look at these exercises and they're going, "Um, uh, how am I going to be able to visualize that? That seems so um, far away somehow. People doubt their ability to visualize quite often, I find. Um, And in this case, I think people will tend to be surprised at how easy it actually is. Um, you start doing that meditation, bam, you are there. Um, and so the corollary to that is kind of a warning that, that doing it is, it can be overwhelming and it can be, um, very, very intense, surprisingly intense. So, um, you know, to, to do things that, um, well, I'll
1: give a little story because I can back you up. Restore on
2: that. yourself. Go ahead. I can back, ahead.
1: I can back you up on the intense thing. We did a little meditation that wasn't was an additive. Now this was way before I I saw the saw your book. That was this teaching elemental magic out in a retreat that I was running, and one exercise was. It seemed very simple on the surface, and it was everyone was like, "This is easy," but then. Uh, one person was balancing out the elementals, and man, they got totally um, angry because they put too much fire in, and they were like shocked at how angry they got, and and how it took the how they had to go back and put more, you know, water in, and it was just it was really they really were amazed because they couldn't figure it out at first until later they thought about it and it was like wow.
2: Yeah, that a similar thing happened. Um we did a uh, it's this um whole ritual is is uh, written up in my forthcoming book my Mary Meet again, which is coming out next year. Um and uh my one and only time when I actually used a magical triangle cuz you know, I'm not a ceremonialist. I normally just cast a wiccan circle. But I had somebody who had a a, particular, a series of, of very invasive dreams that seemed like we had a demon situation on our hand. Um, so we decided we needed to invoke this entity into a triangle. So I did a whole bunch of research on it. and we Anyway, so we did this whole long ritual. I won't tell you the whole story because it took a long time. But uh, one of the things we did was we had each of four people... Uh, guarding the four quarters. Uh, so, so um, I'm trying to remember if there were six people in the ritual off the top of my head. I can't remember. I have it all written down. That's why I write books, because I forget things if I don't write them down. Um, but each of four people, I believe there were six people. So there was the woman who was actually having the dreams, and there was somebody sitting with her And there was also one person at each uh, quarter point guarding and protecting from that quarter. Um, And at the end of the ritual, so then we we finished that portion of the ritual and we we closed it down. At the end of the ritual, we're all just sitting around, you know, drinking our wine and discussing it. And Charlie, who had been in the South, starts saying... um, you know, she should have been, I I kept wanting her to be more forceful, she should have been more forceful, I was really upset with her, and then, um, and each person started talking about what their perception and experience of the ritual was, and their perception and experience was 100%, you should have been more the element that I was guarding you from. There you go. (laughs) All the way around, I said, no, 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 she should have just, she should have stood her ground. The person who was earth was like, she should have stood her ground. She didn't have to say anything. She could have been silent. She just needed to stay her ground. And each person just spoke from, and they were not aware they were doing it. And I finally <laughs> oh, kind of go. raised my hand and it's, hey folks, <laughs> have you noticed this? There you go. So we got about a minute left
1: in the show. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to contact you? And we have on the Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole webpage, uh, a good sampling of your books that people can click on to get or how can they contact you?
2: Um, I have a website Um, and I have all my books available for sale and there is uh, my email address is there also uh, Deborah at at com. also pretty easy to remember. Honestly, if you Google Deborah Lip, I'm like the first six hits. There you go. Um, so I'm not hard to find, but um, I do occasionally blog. I also have um, a media blog that I run with my sister, Lipsisters.com, because we're very creative with our naming. And, and that takes up a lot of my time. That's a television and, and media blog. And... Um, now that Mad Men is on the air, we're, we're very busy with it, uh, so I, I kind of neglect DebraLip.com a, a little, but I do blog occasionally, and I can be contacted through there, and there's excerpts from my books there.
0: Hey, Deborah, really sorry, but we've got to get the show rolling out. If you'd stay on the line for a minute, though, we'd like to chat with you a little bit after we get the show closed out. Sure, sure,
2: and thank you so much for having me.
1: All right, all Thank that you. information is actually on Deeper Down the Rabbit pay- Hole page, or will be as soon as we get it up. Uh, and, yep, we're running a minute late. So and without further ado, this is The Luminous. Uh, next week, urban exploration and paranormal investigation.